Welcome to the Speaking From Our Hearts podcast. In this edition, we'll be talking about many aspects of life, particularly health, relationships and wealth-related topics, all from a heart-centred approach. Your host, Paul Lowe, has a long and successful history of helping others through his coaching and mentoring, as well as his many charitable initiatives. He's been responsible for positively impacting thousands of people's lives, particularly young people from challenging backgrounds. Paul is the author of the books Mastering the Game of Life from Pain to Purpose and Speaking from Our Hearts. Welcome listeners to the Speaking From Our Hearts podcast episode, where today I'm joined by a lady called Natasha Rosewood, who joins us all the way from Canada. Natasha, very, very, very warm welcome to you. Thank you very much, Paul. I'm so excited to be talking to a fellow Brit. It's so fun for me. To a fellow Brit, yeah. Originally from around the Oxford area, was it? That's right. Born in uh, Bicester, or as many Americans would call it, Bicester, because there was an Air Force base there during the war. Um, but we moved all over the country and I ended up in Sussex. So I'm a Sussex girl now. You're a Sussex girl. Okay. <laughs> so um, obviously, um, as is the way, Natasha, we've had a bit of a chat off here and, um, you know, around the focal point of what uh, um, what you want to talk about. And you come up with this, what I personally think is a brilliant title. And having listened to your um, your journey, I think it perfectly epitomizes it, and from the benefit of the listeners, some great messages in there. And your title is this: What's your new story? One of hope. So let's start the ball rolling. Okay. <laughs> so where does it all begin with you? Well, for me, I think you know we can look at the world now in the present, and I do work on the fact that the past, present, and future are one because we're always in the now. Yeah. Um, but it, back in 1985, before I was kind of admitting that I had a psychic ability and I was, I knew I was meant to serve humanity in some way, I went on a four-day journey and it was a huge transformation. And during those four days, I received information from other beings from the future or from the now, whichever way you want to say it. And they gave me a message of about what's going to happen globally on the planet. And what they told me is, and this is back in 85 before faxes or cells or anything like that, they said that the frequency of the planet is really going to rev up. Um, Things are going to start moving very fast. And for us mere humans, it's going to be challenging. But the message was that we all need to individually and collectively rise up to meet this new frequency because it's going to be like a tidal wave, like a power surge coming through. And if we're not positive and in our high vibration of love and kindness and good intentions, if we're in the lower frequencies of uh, resentment and hate and narrow-mindedness and all that, you know, nasty stuff, we're not going to be able to exist in this, this high frequency. So I feel my mission has always been to say to people, let go of the past, let go of your anger, your resentment, your negative self-image, not loving yourself. Let's rise up to meet this high frequency and get into joy. And that was their message is that we are headed towards joy. And I'm getting goosebumps even as I talk about it. And these beings were so beautiful. Every time I think about them or see them in my mind, I just want to cry because they're so 
beautiful. And I call them now divine intelligence and they work through me. They guide me to guide others. So the information isn't coming from me, thank God. <laughs> it's coming through me mm. from this beautiful intelligence. And people call me gifted, but I say, you know, it's really, I've just made myself available to channel this information. So that's the macrocosm of hope. So when people say, oh, the world is going to hell in a handbasket, I say, actually, no, what we're going through is we're cleaning out the sludge from our gas tanks. And I kind of view us all as being like Lamborghinis, but we all think we're Morris Miners and we're running on diesel. <laughs> so we've got a lot of sludge in our gas tank. And what I say to people, what the quantum healing process is, let's take the sludge out of our gas tanks and let's put high octane fuel in it and let's be Lamborghinis again and just go very fast because we can. And that place is where we experience joy and hope. Just on the note of humour, um, Natasha, I was just thinking then that a good condition Morris Mine is probably actually worth more than a Lamborghini these days. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway. It's fast, though. I know, world. I love the Morris Miners. <laughs> yeah, it all depends. I suppose it all depends how many holes are in the floor and you can get your little legs peggling. But, um, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know where that come from. I really don't. But anyway, we move on. <laughs> we move on. Yeah, okay. So... I mean, I just want to take take you back to the beginning, uh, Natasha, and you use this word psychic. Now, just give us, um, if you are, you know, a kind of a layman's insight or interpretation of what what is this word psychic? Because I know from when I put the word out there, it conjures up all kinds of weird and wonderful yeah. images in people's minds. Yes. Well, I'm glad you asked that question, Paul. So in my first book, uh, which is called, ah, I think I'm psychic and you can be too. I explain it. But really, we all have an ability to know and see and feel the truth. And that, as you know, is in our hearts. What's in our hearts? And really, if you just went to your heart and said, what's really going on here? What's really the truth in this situation? Um, that's being psychic because... Um, I liken it to looking down on the floor and seeing this beautiful rug. And on the surface, the rug looks beautiful. And that's us looking at something from our ego consciousness. Mm. I call that the pea brain, by the way, because it's so tiny compared to the rest of our psyche. And then if you pull up the rug and look underneath, what's really going on? Is it clean? Is it dirty? What's being hidden there? And all I'm doing <clears throat> by asking the question, What's really going on? I'm seeing everything on all levels, not just the surface. Mm. And that's what being psychic is. And we all have that. We all have senses. Uh, people say, oh, I don't, I can't do that, you know. And I say, well, do you have a nose on the front of your face? Otherwise, what's that lump doing sitting there? Yeah. And it's like we've all got the ability to feel. Mm. And we feel with our hearts, right? We don't feel with our heads. We think with our heads. We feel with our hearts. And if we get into more feeling, if we're more aware of our, how we're feeling, then we can connect on the like wave and vibration with others. So when a client comes to me, and I agree with you, Paul, I don't really like using the word psychic, but it's got such a bad rap. Mm. I want to give it a more favorable, intelligent kind of perception. Because if people resent the word psychic or resist it, they're not going to open up their own intuition. Yeah. They're going to be afraid. So my part of my job is to inspire intuitive intelligence 
and bring people back to their kind of visceral feelings and senses and get in touch with that so they can be in touch with each other. I like that phrase, intuitive intelligence. Tell us what yes. that is, you know, there again, tell us what, what that is in, in very simple terms. Basically is we are all intuitive, but whether it was through the Spanish Inquisition in the 1500s and we were taught that, oh, it's not safe to speak our truth, we shut down on knowing. Um, plus, you know, God bless the government and the church and all the media. They've taught us that oh, we can't possibly know our own truth. We have to listen to something or somebody else, another authority. What I encourage is people to get back into listening to themselves. What is their truth about them? That's all that is. And it's right inside of them. So when I do intuitive development workshops, Paul, what ends up happening is very interesting because people go inside themselves and they come up against um, their blocks and their pain and, and what they were told who they were where they're not really. So, for example, somebody might be a writer and they say, oh, no, I can't write. And I go, well, well, actually you can and that's what you meant to do. Mm. And they start crying. And I say, if that's not true, why is that touching you and your emotions? And so people, I say, just start a writing class or start doing a journal and people start doing these things and they come back to me and say, oh my God, thank you, Natasha, because I'm happier than I've ever been in my life um, because they're in their heart center, they're in their flow. And to get to that, sometimes we need to get to it through our intuition. Brilliant. I've just wrote down here, Natasha. So I was thinking of another question there that, that you know, it's I was kind of, to use the song, because I know we're both, but I was kind of torn between two lovers there on in terms of the, the question to ask. But I, that's the one that I made a note of. And uh, I think he kind of alluded to this at the top of the conversation. Are the winds a change? Are they blowing? They are, aren't they? The winds are changing, yes, blowing. Absolutely. I, I'd have to say, Paul, that um, I'm so excited now because what I was told in 1985, and at the time I thought, Am I losing it? Am I hallucinating it? What's mm. going on? But everything that they told me has is unfolding, and especially right now. So I feel like this next three years is when it's going to get really intense with the energy. As we know, the suicide rate has increased by 30% since 1999. And I feel a sense of urgency in getting this information out and helping people go from the old reality into the new one. And for some people, it's quite a leap, but I'm saying, no, this is the doorway through, and all you have to do is leave your garbage at the door mm. and walk into the sunlight. And it's already there for you. It's waiting for you. And I've got a technique now that is working beautifully. I'm so excited to be working with my clients and not just kind of seeing what their future potential is and saying, well, good luck with that one. I hope you get there, is actually guiding them towards it and having them realise it and step into it. It's very exciting. Yeah, I was that's, that sort of segues quite nicely, Natasha, into what I was going to say, the big, or the, the very simple three-letter word, how. You know, now, yes. obviously, that's part of your business. So, you know, I understand yes. that you're not going to give us the nuts and bolts of that. I understand that. But in very simple terms, what is the how? How do we get from this place of, and I want to play a little bit of devil's ad advocacy here, um, yeah. a place of ignorance, and I mean that in the most respectful way, to a place of what you term intuitive intelligence. How do we bridge that gap, Natasha? 
Well, I find, you know, like attracts like Paul, right? Mm. So we found each other because we were both about the heart. And I find that the people, I, I actually say the higher, the divine intelligence is my business manager. Right. And they bring me the people. I don't advertise. I mean, I have a presence on Facebook and other places, but people find me mm. and the right people find me. So they are ready for what I have to teach. So it's not like I have to beat anybody over the head. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you will do this. Um, they are ready in their soul and their spirit. Mm. And they'll often say, you know, I've been feeling i got to talk to you, Natasha, and I don't know what's going on, or I've, I've, I'm feeling very stuck, or this keeps happening to me. Can you explain why? So they come to me, and they're already kind of quasi-prepared. They've kind of opened the door slightly. And so I always kind of check in and just say, where are you at right now? Which frequency are you in right now? And I'm not going to take them from watching CNN on the lower frequency to BBC. <laughs> It's like, you know, we're going to creep up in these steps. So I, I don't overwhelm them. And their mind, I make suggestions to their mind or ask their mind to take them, their higher self, I should say, to take them where they're ready to go. Mm. So it's just really like tuning in to see what their subconscious beliefs are right now, saying, why do you believe that? Where did that come from? Is that still valid? Or was that something you decided when you were three years old mm. and now you're 25 or 60 or 70, maybe we can switch that around and see it as a gift. And then, then there's, you remove the resistance and then you could introduce a happier scenario. And they are actually have already chosen that happier scenario, but once they've got rid of the old and they know they deserve to experience this more joyful experience, they're ready for it. So if I'm hearing you correctly, Natasha, is the crux of this matter, is it wrapped up, or am I oversimplifying this, but is it wrapped up in that B word, beliefs? Absolutely. Yeah? Absolutely. Right. So, you know, we, as you know, Paul, we're told by our parents certain things, and we accept them as true. Um, like I was told time and time again, oh, you know, money doesn't grow on trees, you know, and switch off that light because, you know, we don't want to pay. Money's in short supply and you're lucky you've got food on the table kind of thing. So I grew up in a state of panic going, oh, my God, you know, about money. And, you know, I find I'm still so some days working with that. Like, no, I've got mm. to shift away from that and know that money is energy. I'm in the flow of it. I deserve to be abundant and prosperous and, you know, not to claim not to be resistant to it. I know I was here when I was a child and now I'm up here because I'm doing this work. Yeah. And really the money just, I need the money so I can do the work that I need to do. It's not about being rich, but that's okay. If I want to be rich, I could be rich too. So it's these beliefs that really, they're like the barometer in our mind and they will only allow us to have so much money, so much love, so much health, so much success. Mm. So. When the client comes to me, I ask them about those different areas of their life and where do they stop themselves from having more and what's the belief around that. And I will tell you, Paul, and you probably know this already, the universal belief of probably all of humanity is I'm not good enough. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. One of two, isn't it? I'm not good enough and I'll never be loved. Yeah. Yeah. So we, you know, work on that straight away. And it's not about me anyway, like 
or you, it's when we go out into the world, what are we channeling? What are we bringing forward? What are we emitting? Uh, what waves are we sending out? So I say, I often suggest to people get out of yourself and just be a channel for something really good. Just be willing to be open to be really good. And you've been given this desire to be a cook or be a TV producer or be a podcast host or whatever it is, because that's what you agreed to do before you came here. And the universe wants you to be the best of that that you can be. When, um, when I grow up, Natalie, I want to be a podcast host. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> and I grew up to be a psychic. <laughs> yeah. some, some people want to be a footballer or, or a fireman or, or what I want to be a podcast host when I grow up. Right. <laughs> as my, my late mother was, uh, went to paint every day to tell me, males never grow up. And how's that for a belief? Boys wow. never grow up. Men never grow mm. up. And I wow. kind of just flirt with that nice and tease that. Because I want to keep this on. Before I come on to your word channel, Natasha, my word funnel, same thing. And I want to share yeah. something with you, which is yeah. almost a relative, well, almost an immediate um, breakthrough. But I want to focus on this beliefs thing. Now, I want to run a model by you and see what your thoughts on. Listeners, obviously, on previous episodes heard me say this quite a few times, but it's around mastering life is as simple as ABC. And the A is for awareness because our starting point is wherever we are because we don't know what okay. we don't know. Right. So that's our sort of first line in the sand when we consciously say, I want to change things. I'm going to go on a new journey, whatever that may yes. be, because I'm in pain, actually not yes. pain, suffering. So this right. has got to stop. So that's the awareness as the starting point. The B is for the beliefs. Yes. Now, I, you know, I always, I always like to, um, to, to quote Gandhi's almost hierarchy in this, Natasha, when he, um, and it certainly holds water for me in my own practical experience and having worked with a lot of people on it as well, where the beliefs influence the thoughts, influence the words, the habits, the, the actions, the values, and this, this kind of knock-on effect that starts with beliefs that finishes up in outcome or result. So exactly. change your belief, change your result. Yes, absolutely. And Can I? Yeah, yeah please, ahead. please. Uh, well... I really have a lot of metaphors for the subconscious beliefs, and I always say that it's like an autopilot. So, you know, I used to be a flight attendant, so it's like the pilot's going in at Gatwick, filing a flight plan to get to L.A., and they have these beliefs. So, you know, they're going to hit on these points along the way. It doesn't matter what happens with the weather and, you know, this kind of thing. They're going to go there because the beliefs have been set into the autopilot and they're going to arrive at LA or not <laughs> according mm. to their beliefs. So yeah, it's driving us. The so subconscious beliefs are driving us. And I'll just tell you this, Paul, it's very funny when clients come to me sometimes and I'm reading and I'm checking in with all levels of consciousness. So in my book, I describe the six levels of consciousness, starting with the soul, the spirit, the subconscious, the unconscious or alpha state, the ego, and then the higher self. And so I'm, I'm flicking through all their uh, frequencies and their levels of consciousness, and I'm looking and seeing what they're projecting into their own future, and I, that's what I'm seeing. And um, 
Oh, I just lost what I was going to say there. And it's just like, oh, yeah, the ego mind, their ego mind will say, oh, no, Natasha, I'd never do that over my dead body. So the ego and the subconscious can be absolutely in conflict with one another. And I say, well, um, you know, I didn't come here for an argument, so I could be wrong. Absolutely. You are in the driver's seat. You're choosing. So we'll see what happens. So often two years later, six months later, I get a phone call guess what I'm doing, Natasha? And I'm going, yeah, because I've gone into the subconscious and the subconscious is the autopilot Mm -hmm. and it's running the show, not the ego. Mm -hmm. So it behooves us to really be aware, as you say, of what our beliefs are because that's what's bringing our results. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I do get that. And one of the questions that I frequently ask about dispelling the myth that is beliefs um, and actually, by the same token, Natasha, reinforcing the power of them, is ask this yes. question, do we see to believe or do we believe to see? And that obviously brings in the connotation of faith. Well, I like to talk about um, perception. Hmm. So I tell people that we're all looking through like the world like this, and there's our beliefs, and if we have a belief that um, all trees are green, all trees are going to be green. But if I believe that, oh, no, all trees are black, then I'm going to see black. So we see, I think we see what we believe. Because I don't think we can see what we're not open to seeing. But what about the flip side of that coin of yeah. um, believe to see, faith? So when we, uh, you know, just one silly example that's come to me, well, not silly, but one intuitive example, it's far from silly, one embarks upon a, a new romantic relationship and that right. relationship goes well and either one pops the question, there's that leap of faith to go, yeah, I actually at this moment in time feel I want to spend the rest of my life with you. That's yes. faith. Because there's no yeah. guarantee, and especially, yeah. you know, especially people like me and you, uh, Natasha, when we get to our 30s, you know, we, <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's maybe been a previous relationship, maybe, I'm not yeah. going to be assumptive, um, but there's that, oh, I got hurt last time, ouch. And so there is that leap of faith, isn't there, that says, okay, I need to see it first. But actually, no, what we do, we let our heart lead and we believe that everything will be okay, and then we see it later. So there's this total contrast, the two sides of the coin, either believe to see, which is faith, or do we see to believe this concrete, no, I want to see it now. This is the ego at play as well. I want to see it now. I want that definite, tangible proof, you know, and all the cliches and the, you know, big boys don't cry and I don't know, whatever those beliefs are. So I had this conversation with somebody, a very, very eminent practitioner in personal development um, on a world stage, and I asked him the question, and he put, he put it straight back to me as a, as a good coach in mental wood. And with those, um, with those immortal words, Natasha, what do you think? Well, I don't know, because that's why I've asked you. Well, no, it's not. <laughs> anyway, I was... <laughs> yeah, well, it's a really great question. And I have a lot of clients that come to me, especially women. They want to meet their soulmate and they've met somebody and they go, oh, is this the one? 
And I'm sorry to say this, but I say, what do you feel? Because it goes back a lot to intuition because your intuition is constantly guiding you. And I'm always encouraging people to check in because we do know, Mm. we do know, and we don't give ourselves uh, enough credit to know. And I think we do know when, well, it's 90% there, but there's something eh, and maybe I'm being critical and, and I'm saying, no, that's your guidance giving you a little nudge and saying, just hang on, just wait and see and let it unfold because the truth will be revealed to you. So I, I feel like we do know we have a sense of what's really going to work for us. It's almost like what you're describing, Paul, in some ways is hope. Now, I've got an interesting relationship with the word hope. I do love, you know, if you're in a depression, which I have been in myself, you know, actually when I was in the UK, in this deep black place where I was just isolated from everybody and nobody understood what was going on with me, especially back in the age of the dinosaurs before I was 30. Um, Last week then. Yeah, that was it. That was it last week. And I've had this miraculous recovery. Um, (laughs) Hope can be, sometimes can be the killer. In fact, I've written a screenplay, and that's one of the lines in my screenplay, hope can be the killer. And getting back to your question is what I would, if you were my client and you came to me with that question, I would say, why don't you set intention? If you want to have a beautiful, long-lasting, real, you know, relationship where it's mutually beneficial and loving and it's, you're, you're meshed and it's, it's a gorgeous, you're together, you're a beautiful organism working in tandem, um, why not set intention? And intention to me is like uh, making the decision to have it or, or, you know, believing you can have it, knowing you deserve it. It's more uh, definite. It's more like writing it down saying it is, thank you very much, and I'm stepping into this right now. Mm. And I'll just tell you a story about my husband who, and I went through a lot of frogs, before I got to him. And the funny thing was, you know, I had my list and I knew, I thought, I thought I knew what I wanted. And I gave up the list and I just said, oh, it's never going to happen. I'm just going to focus on publishing my books and traveling the world and speaking my message. And when I completely surrendered, when I let go of attachment to it and I gave it up to a higher power, I just said, okay, I'm done. That's when he came in. And he wasn't the list, but he's much better than the list. So I think we all need to have faith in the fact that we deserve to be loved in this beautiful way. We deserve to have our mates with us because I think as humans, that's what we're about Mm. is love and being loved and belonging and giving and sharing and taking. You know, it's back and forth, back and forth. So to me, it's more like, what I say to my clients, what do you want to have happen here? Do you want marriage? Do you want to live in two separate countries? Do you want to live next door to each other? What, how would it feel in each scenario? And mm. play with the scenarios and see how it feels yeah. inside your body because your spirit speaks to you all the time through this coat or temple that we call the body. And it gives us nudges and it's, we get feelings in our gut or I, sometimes I get a feeling of somebody literally holding me back on my arms. Don't do that. I go, okay. I don't know why, but I trust that. Mm. The answer, um, I just want to go back to the plane scenario 
Um, okay. Um, because I think, yeah, again, there's a great lesson in that, Natasha, in as much that when we set out on our journey, if we are, our intention is off course, only by half a degree, and that plane sets off, say, for Gatwick, but it's actually half a degree at source, it certainly ain't going to end up in L.A., It'll probably end up the other side of the world just by that little, that little bit. And to kind of, you know, I think in football terms, it's like small margins in life. Um, that, that's a cliche that's used in professional football in the UK. Oh, you know, the team lost one nil again. Small margins, offside goal or whatever the excuses are. But it's one right. of those banded cliches. And um, when he was also talking about that 90% almost their connotation and what i kind of encourage from an intuitive point and this way is the faith you know trust yourself trust your gut as the old saying goes trust it it's there for a reason don't be crippled by fear and i know that's easy to say when you know somebody has done a lot of inner work to now understand the difference but that 90 percent, even if it's 99 percent oh i'm that's good enough is it? Is that good enough? Because if you can imagine walking your path with a pebble in your shoe, a little thing called a pebble, and it's yes. probably less than 1% of your body size. Exactly. And that is going to cause you a lot of pain. So just exactly. these little insights about how we tread our path and, you know, are we really on course? And, yes. if you, and even if we're not, be aware of there's a possibility that this I might end up somewhere else. And that's fine because I'm not attached to the outcome. You know, to use that metaphor, look, I want to go on a journey to, to North America. If I end up in L.A., great. If I end up in, you know, wherever, great. But I want to kind of go there because isn't it true, to you know, to keep using and reinforcing this F word, Natasha, we get so crippled by this F word called fear. It bullies us, it dominates us, and usually our pal, the ego, is not too far away from all that prodding and poking and encouraging exactly. and all that kind of stuff. So exactly. I, I just wanted to kind of come in on a couple of statements you've said, you know, with those metaphors. Now, I want to go on to the funnel, but before I do so, do you, have you got any thoughts around those those simple metaphors? Yeah, um, I use the F word for fear, uh, faith and forgiveness, mm. actually. And that's what I bring into the quantum healing. And I, I don't know if you've read The Course in Miracles. I'm sure you have. So they talk about uh, guilt. And we, if we feel we've done something wrong, whether we have or we haven't, we then feel, oh, we're going to get punished. And the fear is, how are we going to get punished? When's it going to come? What's it going to be? How's it going to show up? So it's that level, I want to say, deservability. I know that's not really a word, but it's my word, is if we can remove the guilt, if we can forgive the guilt, we can let go a lot of the fear of thinking, ooh, I'm going to get beaten up or I don't deserve to be happy and have that soulmate or win the lottery or get that success. We can take care of a lot of the fear. Um, the question I get asked all the time is, Natasha, how do I know the difference between my intuition and my fear. So quick story, I used to go skiing a lot and every time before I got on the chairlift, I'd start 
trembling with fear, going, oh, my God, imagining the chairlift falling down. And I went, where's that fear coming from? Is it coming from my head or is it coming from the rest of my body? Mm. And I knew it was coming from my head. So I was making it up. So I get on the chairlift and I go and have a fabulous day of skiing. But if it's coming from my gut or somewhere else in my body, I'm going to pay attention. I'm just maybe, maybe I'll stay home today and do the laundry. (laughs) So it's about being aware of, is that something else that somebody told me or is it um, an intuitive uh, sense? Just to finish off the ABC, and you've used the word a couple of times, the awareness, the belief. So how do we, okay, so we've got a basic line in the sand. We're starting to become aware of the power of beliefs. Um, so what do we do? What do we do to change them? And for me, wrapped up in the word creativity, we think differently. Yes. Because if we always think the way we've done, if we always have the same belief and do the same things, we're always going to get the same result. Exactly. So I think it's about, you know, raising and going, it's a bit like a hamster's wheel for me, going back to the beginning for the awareness, right? That was my starting point then. I'm a little bit wiser now because I've the hamster's wheel's gone round at least once and, oh, okay, it wasn't quite what I thought. But as a result, I've seen that now. Okay, yes. so let's start again. Now I know that's different. Let's go, yes. oh, blimey. And we're getting new levels of discovery and awareness, aren't we? Which exactly. is changing our beliefs. And then yes. the creativity. And we, I think this conversation's epitomised it quite strongly Natasha, because we've used a lot of metaphoric examples. And I believe that for me personally, metaphors are one of the most powerful creative tools you can have. Yes. Um, that That's just, dare I say, a personal belief. Yes. <laughs> um, You're allowed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's um, a good one. <laughs> but so just to sort of finish off the ABC and also to finish off the, the C to believe or the believe to see, and the wily old sage's answer was this in the end, after I was kind of put on the mental and emotional rack to try and fathom it myself. <laughs> the answer was a very simple, neither. Neither. Yeah. yeah. They are temporary stepping stones for where we are at this moment in time. Yes. Did you, when you was a child, believe you needed size five shoes when you took size five? Yeah. Do you yeah. need size five shoes now? No. So that belief yeah. doesn't serve you anymore. It's not practical. Exactly. And they change. I, I like to encourage people not to believe anything. Mm. Because then it's wide open. It's unlimited. Yeah. And we are unlimited beings. Yeah. If we, you know, surrender to that high power, because I, getting back to creativity, I believe we are co-creators. Yes. With this high power, we can choose that high power. And we can choose to be Pulitzer Prize winning authors or, um, you know, Mother Teresa's or whoever we, you know, want to be. We can go as high and and great as we want to be. Um, And like you said, that fear word often gets in the way. It's like, ooh, not me. Mm. But that's ego trying to keep you small. And if we kind of say thank you to the ego for sharing, but you can just go in the other room right now because I'm just about to become great. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, and we can all do this in, in whatever form that greatness you want to be. Maybe it's just being a great mother, which is hugely important, or just being a good human being and just showing up and shining our light on the planet, which we need to do right now. Yeah. Um, so being limitless, I like to, I like, I love the concept of limitlessness. 
that Natasha beautifully yeah I mean it's almost like we've scripted this conversation but that beautifully <laughs> leads in to my funnel you used the word channel about I don't know 10-15 minutes ago whatever it was and I got this funnel concept and I want to share this with you and I'm very interested in your views this openness this infinite um, aspect that you refer to if we imagine we are a funnel we are space within a funnel so at the top you've got a big big area and it comes down it comes down it comes then all of a sudden it really tapers down to a very narrow spout at our lower self we are very constrained by space we have no space we are crippled by fear and in the bottom part of that funnel where i certainly lived the vast majority of my life just struggling and hustling and bustling for space and paralyzed by darkness desperation and all the labels that went with that existence at that moment in time and i actually gave that character that persona an identity and it's called shufflefoot that negative despondent victim poor old me you don't understand my problem because you've never had a problem like me. You've <laughs> never had a gas bill to pay the size of my gas bill. Right. Because it's 10 cents more than it was last quarter and all this kind of limiting beliefs. Um, and I held those for years. Poor old me, the victim. Yes. Yeah. Shuffling my feet along, shoulders drooped, head down. Woe is me. Hence, shufflefoot. However, as we go back up the funnel and it opens up, that for me is a metaphor for higher self. Exactly. Because there's a lot more space now. All of a sudden, it's just gone crazy. It's opened up. I've got more room to breathe, but I'm not infinite yet. I'm not infinite. No. There's something beyond me in my yes. higher self that I aspire to be, that I'm aware of. Yes. And that middle section of that funnel is called Satnam. I am truth. But because of my duality in my human constraints of a spiritual being living in a human world with human challenges, I'm constantly changing this space. Not constantly, but every now and again, it's like, am I, do I belong in the bottom? Do I belong in the top? Well, who am I? That great question. Right. Who am I? Where do yes. I belong? Am I good enough to be in this part of the funnel? Even right. though I spend a... But the real trick is, you know what? You don't belong in either. You belong outside the funnel where there's that vast, infinite space. For me, she is called the universe. Yes. That's, that's who I am. And when um, Dr. Wayne Dyer talked about as individuals, we are God. I mean, when he first went out there with that, he was lambasted, as you can imagine. And he said, hang on, God with a small g. Because are we not energy? Why do we conceptualize God as a him? Who gave him a gender, by the way? As exactly. a him that's external to us. Yes. Isn't, isn't Christ within all of us, we're told? Well, just yes. think about that statement. Christ is within all of us. Yes. So by definition, are we not sharing that energy? And so I just use that very that simple funnel example, uh, Natasha, to say, well, actually, we don't belong in that funnel. But when we're stuck, I think we need some kind of model 
to to help us that stepping stone that belief but it's no yes. more than that no more yes. different than our scripts our stories from the past are just that they're just stories yes. they might be true you, you know i'm smiling paul because in my book i showed how i experience the mind when i tune in mm. so it's actually like a pyramid and right at the top i've got the ego and then i've got this inverted you know mirror image of the pyramid which is what you've just described mm. there's the ego at the bottom and the higher self going up so the ego and aaron doty i don't know if you're aware of him he's on youtube and i love him because he's talking about everything i'm talking about and he has lots of different ways of lots of different metaphors but he would say that the, the ego is the floor of the higher self which is what you just described Mm. And uh, absolutely. So be, beneath that, um, we've got all these layers of consciousness. So we've got the pea brain ego, which I describe sometimes as being the tip of the iceberg. It's just the little bit that's sticking out of the ocean. But beneath there's this massive other chunk of us that's the unconscious, the subconscious beliefs, the spirit for this lifetime, that's our role for this lifetime, and then our soul, where the story that we embed, that we chose for ourselves before we came here is embedded in our soul. But now with this, with this new quantum healing movement, if we like, we can change the story. We can rewrite the script. We can say, we've learned this now. Now we can move into this area where we can learn on this higher frequency. And I think that's what's happening where we've all agreed to come back to the earth at this time and go through these interesting times, this uh, quickening that it's been called or uh, ascension, all these words that have been used for this increase in energy, we've all agreed to come back here. Whether we feel overwhelmed by it right now, we don't understand it, it's amplifying all our feelings, all our heart feelings. So to be really aware, like you say, of what we're feeling because it's going to multiply, that feeling is going to multiply. So the forgiveness, I think, is very important to let go of the old beliefs, to become aware of what the new reality can be. So all this kind of flows very nicely together, Paul. Mm. And Aaron Doty would say, he, he uses the ABC, and he says, always be choosing. Kind of takes us back to the relationship scenario. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah. This is like DNA. We're going in this helix, right? Yeah, yeah. What a, what a coincidence. Not, not. Okay. So by way of drawing to a close, Natasha, if you had one knockout piece, I mean, obviously, you you know, I know from the, the conversations we've had, not just now, but off air as well, you know, there, there's a lifetime's worth of experience and insights to share there. But if I had to kind you pin to... Uh, pin you to the metaphoric mast and say, right, Natasha, it's that elevator scenario, 30 seconds left on this mortal coil, whatever, you know, whatever example, what would be your one departing legacy leaving message? Wow. <laughs> I would say to everybody on the planet, what is your story of hope? What is your story Live of it. hope? Yeah. Mm. Forgive it. Keep faith, use fear to propel you forward and live the life you are meant to live. Wow. 
And isn't it isn't it interesting, Natasha, that you know from a very big question like that, how we and you've just proved a brilliant point for me yet again, as so many guests do. All this complication and clutter we have in our worlds, in our minds, in our lives, and we can we can answer, um, you know, and people generally can, and they do because I I will kind of you know when I'm finishing off with somebody, not just kind of in this context, but generally, I love to I call it the knockout punch. I love to deliver the knockout punch in the form of a question to say, right, where are you going to go? And it's like, wow, okay. But how long have you got? Well, you've got about 15 seconds. <laughs> and it's amazing, isn't it? The human spirit can conjure up and, and come up with that answer. So yeah. I'm saying if, well, if, if people can do that on a big question, being put on the spot and basically fathom your life out in 15 seconds, why do we then sort of, oh, do you know that pebble in the shoe? It'll be all right. It's been there yeah. 20 years. We don't like a fuss. We, we, it'll be okay. Yes. And that's what we do well, as humans, isn't it? I think what we've done in the past is learn through pain. Yeah. We've actually said, well, if it doesn't hurt, it can't be good for us. Mm. I mean, you know, uh, no pain, no gain. Yeah. And now I'm saying through awareness, thank you, through becoming aware of your beliefs, through creating, co-creating your life to a higher frequency uh, we don't have to learn through pain at all because we can see the train coming down the track. We don't have to step in front of it and get smushed, you know. We can just stand back and let the train pass and go, oh, that was close, but I thank God I saw it coming. I missed that one. Yeah. Then step over the track, and there it is. It's choosing. It really is choosing. And I would say to people, please intend the highest and best for yourself, and then everything else and everybody else around you will take care of it because – you are the writer, project, producer, and director of your own movie. Absolutely. And you've created these characters, these events, these train wrecks, or these wonderful gifts. But really, they're all gifts to make you aware of how great you are, yeah. how great you can be, how great you can become. But it already exists if you just kind of step up a little bit into the sunshine rather than being inside in, in the dark. Step outside and look, it's all already there. Open the windows, open the doors and let the sun come in and then step out into it. And that's what I help people do. Great example there, Natasha. I love that, you know, that screen connotation. That brings me um, nicely to um, to Rupert Spira's um, philosophy around non-duality. And he, he likens as when he said, as we go through life, you know, and he said, look, just go back through your life and think around X or Y, whether it was happy, whether it was sad. It doesn't matter what the experience is. When yeah. you was a child, you did this, you was happy or you was sad. Then as an adolescent, then as an adult, whatever, whatever. What's the one? All these things, these emotions, these experiences have come and they've gone. They've come and they've gone. bit like the wind. Try catching it. You can't. But it's there. yes. But, but if you don't heal those emotions, what I find so fascinating about this process, Paul, is that I've always said that emotion, our feelings, fuel our manifestations. Mm. So, um, you know, I, I tell the story about how my mother, if my mother hadn't been psycho, I would be psychic. And that's sad but true because she was brilliant and probably very um, intuitive herself, but she was very damaged. So it went, it went, it became destructive. Her, her, her intelligence and her gifts were used for destruction rather than creation. 
And so, um, uh, I'm losing it again. <laughs> so it, it's really about, you know, that emotion, uh, things she said to me, stay with me because I was, the, the emotion kind of kept it stuck like mud on my globs of mud. All my experiences kind of stuck to me like mud. And it was the emotion around it. So it was a feeling sad or guilty or resentful or enraged or whatever it was that I never finished, I never completed that experience to a place where it got resolved. It was not resolved for me. I had nobody to talk about. I've done that, you know, a lot of work on it since, thank heavens. Um, but it's getting the, the emotion which has the power over us to run, kind of run the, the thoughts and the attachment to that thing that happened to us and make us feel, I must be a schmuck or I must be stupid or I must be horrid, a horrid person like my mother told me I was, or I'm not worthy. And so that all that kind of gets stuck together. So if we break down the emotion, we finish off the trauma and say, well, you know, my mother didn't mean that. She was not very well and she was projecting her stuff onto me and so then I can forgive that and go, oh, okay, that really changes who I am in that process. So now I can have a different emotion about that. Now I can have compassion for my mother and I can have compassion for me. Like, oh my God, why did I create that experience? But I did create it and so I can uncreate it and I can recreate something else. So I now call my mother my upside down angel because Without that experience and having gone through it and feeling so powerless, so helpless, and so horrible, it really damaged me for a long, long time in relationship. Um, I'm able to now, now I've resolved it, really use that and say, oh, thank you for that awareness. That was like getting a master's in psychiatry, psychology, and metaphysics all in one. And here I am today, and I've been able to help thousands and thousands and thousands of people realize go from this reality to that reality to give have compassion and become who they really can be mm. and my mother motivated me in that role so that's why i chose her she was my university degree what if to use the context that you've just um explained there natasha what if just to go back to the spiral model of we are characters collecting this stuff rather than life happening through us we allow it to happen to us and so we become embroiled in the bottom of that funnel that's who i am i am the lower self i am shuffle foot or this identity thing but what if we had the realization and this is where the creative thinking comes in the real thinking as far as i'm concerned but what if we had this understanding that these characters on this screen this script that we create in our minds that who we think we are, in my case, Shufflefoot, what if that was only a script? And what happened was that actor or actress came into my life as a particular part of that scene and she come or he come and they went. And just as the wind comes and blows something over and it's gone, it blows the milk bottle over and it's gone. But we're left with a legacy of a broken milk bottle. Okay, what do we do? We pick it up and we move on from it. We don't sit there looking for the rest of our lives at that broken milk bottle. So what he describes, and I love the simplicity of this, we are the screen. And we are host 
to these characters that come and they go and they come and they go. But that's what we are. The only thing that's ever constant in all these varying rich tapestry scenes that exist in our lives is us, the screen. We are the host. We are not attached. We embrace the mind. We embrace the body and we embrace the world. And he, he refers to the world as the five senses. But they're transient. They're like beliefs. They come and they go. But the TV screen, I'll always be here. Always. Yes, yes. Because we are not our thoughts and feelings. Mm. We, are, we are witnesses, observers. And I, I love screenwriting. I love writing. As you know, I'm, I'm a bit addicted to writing. That's my advice. And it's, it's, you know, when you're writing your story, and I wrote my story in my first book about my mother and, and then how I came through that and really understood not just that I was psychic, but how I was psychic so we can all do this. It's a manual, mm. really. Um, when you're when you're a writer, I mean, not so much in that one because I was relaying it's kind of autobiographical. But when I write, I'm the god of this story, or the god goddess of this story, and I can say, oh, I can kind of nix that character, or I can have this character do this, or I can change this guy from a meanie into a really nice guy, or this girl, whatever, into whoever. So you're kind of playing god goddess creator. It feels very powerful to write a fictional story and just bring in what you want. Mm. In the same way, my new book, Your New Story Through Quantum Healing, we've got, we know what the story's been so far. We know what we've judged to be good or bad in our lives. But if we see all those experiences now as good, as clues to awareness of who we can be, how strong we are, so many of my clients have survived so many amazing things. It's like, wow, you're still here. You're still sane and full of grace. That's an achievement. And we acknowledge what we've gone through and survived. And then look what we can create them in our future. You know, it's like stopping and pausing and saying, look how great I am. Not, not from the ego point of view, but just really acknowledging the truth of how powerful we are as a spark of divine, the divine, as a God goddess in the process of becoming is how I would describe it, mm -hmm. as part of the Christ consciousness. Um, we're, we're all in training to become God, goddess-like. That's how I see it. And I think on that um, very elevated and positive and, and beautiful note, Natasha, listen, it's been a fascinating conversation and from a personal perspective, and I know I speak, um, you know, on behalf of the listeners, thank you so much. It's been, it's been an absolute joy. How can people reach out to you, Natasha, find out about more about you, your work, get in touch with you? What, what, what's your contact details? Uh, simplest is natasharosewood.com. That is my email, uh, my website, sorry. I am on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. Uh, my three books, uh, I think I'm psychic and you can be too. Um, and the second one is called, oh, I thought you were dead. And other psychic adventures, <laughs> which is more about our soul and our spirit, past lives thing. And then my third one, I wrote for fun called Mostly True Ghostly Stories, right. which are written based in the UK and all over the world. Um, they're available on Amazon and Kindle. Um, but I would love to hear from anybody about their story and what they want their stories to be. So I also write a blog and I'm really wanting to start my own podcast very soon, Paul and wow. interview people that have inspirational new stories to tell. Wow. 
Excellent. Yeah. yeah. Excellent. So there we have it, listeners. <laughs> Natasha Rosewood sharing her insights into what's your new story? One of hope. And on that very uh, warm and positive and loving note, I think it's time to draw things to a close by saying, as I always do at this point, whatever you do in life, always walk your path with heart. Take care. Thank you, Paul. Namaste. Namaste. Hearts, helping everyone achieve results towards success.